This is a test of the emergency broadcast system. Five. Check for sound. Four. It's showtime. Three. Let's two, go. One. Thanks to Rode Microphones and Harlan Hogan's VoiceOverEssentials.com, the home of the Portabooth Pro. This is the Pro Audio Suite podcast with Robert Marshall from Source Elements and Someone Audio Post Chicago. Darren Robbo Robertson from Voodoo Radio Imaging Sydney. From LA, George the Tech Whitam, the Tech to the VO Stars, and me, Andrew Peters, voiceover talent and home studio guy. And here we are with another Pro Audio Suite, and we have a special guest who's been on before, but we never got the chance to find out what his background is and what he actually does every day. His name is Jeff Berlin. G'day, Jeff. Oh, that's me. Hello. Hi, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> now, we didn't talk to you about your career, and I'm really curious because um, I don't really know much about your background. How did you get into voiceover? Well, that's deliberate. Um, uh, radio. I got into radio. I was a DJ. For how long? Um, well, I've been doing radio for 40 something years at this point. Um, no, 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 I was a DJ on WAF for seven years, uh, and going back and forth. And then, um, it was around 1985, uh, and I'd been to a lot of radio stations, a lot of program directors, a lot of format changes. And I decided it was not a stable way to make a living and I needed to make a living. I had rent to pay and stuff. Um, around 1985, was when MTV was uh, starting to change the game. There's a lot more uh, creative promos going on, and radio stations were starting to up their game in that regard as well. And I saw uh, a market that had yet to be realized. Uh, I was working as a DJ at WCOZ in Boston, which was a big radio station in the uh, early 80s in this market. At one point, it had double-digit ratings. They had an on-air opening. A 1,000 people sent tapes. We had 1,000 people send tapes and resumes to try and get a job uh, as, as an on-air DJ at WCOZ, wow. uh, a production opening came up. Eight people applied. So I saw the future. And I said, <laughs> fuck, being, fuck being a DJ. I said, I'm going to do production because I'd always been good in the production studio. I'd always had a, a production shift. And I would um, actually spend more time in the production studio than the on-air studio, experimenting, playing, like just doing crazy stuff. Um, it was always my um, aptitude, I guess. <sighs> So I decided I'm not going to be a DJ anymore. I applied for production gigs, and I got a gig doing production for KISS 108 in Boston, and I worked there for 22 years and became their imaging director and worked with Sonny Joe White, Steve Rivers, John Ivey, and Cadillac Jack. And then recently I went back there in 2018. I did all their images in 2018. I was working for Dylan Sprague. That's kind of where I, I um, was able to go from reel to reel to Pro Tools. And then, of course, when you're there, things always need to be voiced. And I uh, started voicing radio stations kind of as a favor for a friend of mine, and it exploded. One of those radio stations was syndicated in 20 markets, and so those stations all had consultants. So now I voice about 100 radio stations, and that's what I do for a living. Wow. Yeah, it's a bit different here, unfortunately. We've, we haven't even got 100 radio stations, <laughs> probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But... Okay. Uh, it's it's actually a common your your career is a combination of Robbo and I actually by the sounds because yeah y- you worked on air as well didn't you Robbo I did very in the very beginning but uh, it's not my favourite place to be let's be honest <laughs> <laughs> yeah because and I did radio on air for oh, twenty years and uh, it was when I moved from Sydney to Melbourne that I decided that it was probably time to get off air and I did and that's when I took up voiceover and that's 20 23 years ago so we're old farts basically mm. i was going to say uh, uh, presuming you've got a a home studio 
I know you've got a home studio. I've heard all about it. But um, okay, uh, let's see. Well, I, I mean, I started voicing radio stations and doing voiceovers in general while while I was imaging Kiss One Away. Um, I had an office there, and I hated their production studios. They didn't sound good, so I actually bought a whisper room, and I'm standing in that whisper room right now. And I installed it at the radio station, so I kind of had my own gear there to do my own work, which they were okay with it. And uh, but then when I left the radio station, I uh, I had to build my home studio, so. It's a it's complicated how I got all the gear I have, but I have two Pro Tools HD systems here, in uh, a, a whisper room, and then I have another home where I uh, had a contractor build the room over the garage. So that's like a soundproof completely, you know, with um, soundboard all on all sides, and um, I work from there as well. What? what do you want to know about my home studio? Well, tell us. We could be here all day, but give us the back. I've, I've heard this story before, but I think our listeners would be impressed with what's going on. I. Two PCs with like three or four different operating systems between them? Yeah, I boot up in a lot of different operating systems. Like, for, in other words, to do this Source Connect now, um, I usually run Pro Tools 10 because I like the TDM plugins that I have. Um, and that uh, will not, the highest I really want to go on that is Mountain Lion. So I boot up on Mac OS uh, 10.8.5. Uh, which but you is, know you can do Mavericks on that. Yeah, I can. Uh, I don't need to. Because yep. Mavericks is just as limited as Mountain Lion, really. So basically nothing. No, you can run Source Connect now in Mavericks. You can? <laughs> yes. I don't think so. I do it every day. All right. I use it, yeah, because I, I run a TDM system, Pro Tools 10 on Mavericks. Kissed Mountain Lion goodbye. Wow. All right. Uh, I booted up in Sierra to run Source Connect now. Um, in Skype, in uh, most of that. Zoom will run in Mountain Line, which is weird unless they've upgraded it lately. However, I have another reverse problem in that I have uh, my my copy of uh, Source Connect is three point six. The highest that will run is Snow Leopard, uh, ten point six point whatever. So I have to be able to boot up Snow Leopard yeah. in order to run Source Connect. So if a client wants to do a Source Connect session, I have to boot up in Snow Leopard. If I want to just do my general voiceovers using my TDM system, I boot up in Mountain Line. And, uh, and I have Pro Tools 2020, uh, which I can run, but I don't have the uh, HD soft uh, hardware for that. I just use my Metric Halo LIO 8. I have a separate computer on a Mac Mini, which is using running HD native. Um, so like yesterday, I was doing a bunch of production for one of my client radio stations. They needed all these 4th of July sweepers. It took me a bit of time. So one computer is just there for voice work. So as voice work comes in, I just walk in the booth, knock it out, and then go back out and continue working on the sweepers I was doing. So I'm doing production and voiceover at the same time. And I have two separate Pro Tools HD systems side by side to, to get that done quickly. Sounds so more how do you like do a, your monitoring. How do I what? <laughs> you have like a monitor controller with like Pro Tools 1, Pro Tools 2. Well, I have three monitors uh, and in my booth and uh, in the control room are, are mirrors. Uh, so, I, you know, it's a mirrored monitor. I have a MIDI controller in, in my uh, booth as well as a, a Euphonics controller, uh, the Yukon. What I've noticed... And, and, and what do you do all your, mon- your audio monitoring through? Do you have like speakers. all those different Pro Tools systems feeding into the same, like a controller? So you're just- uh, I, use, I have a um, PreSonus monitor station in the control room. And then here I have this brilliant Behringer board that uh, is really, it's Behringer, but what's it called? I can't even tell you the model number, but uh, it's got sliders and it has two auxiliaries and it's the size of, you know, a book. Um, so it's a very small. It's like footprint. an analog, like an analog. Analog board. mixer. Yeah. So I, I just have everything feeding each other so I can, you know, and, and all of it is just monitoring. Like what I'm recording is like hardwired in. I record off the digital sources. So um, I, I can, you know, EQ, I can do whatever I need to for what I'm, whatever I'm monitoring without actually affecting what's getting recorded. From uh, Snow Leopard all the way up to High Sierra. High Sierra's, yeah. I can actually do Mojave on my Mac Pro. So I'm running Pro Tools 11 on Mojave. 
Pro Tools 11 will run fine on Mojave, but I had a lot of trouble with Pro Tools 11 on um, on High Sierra, a lower. So uh, go figure. So I'm taking well, advantage. Pro Tools of that. 11 is so only supposed to work up to 10.11. Right, but it it actually works <laughs> on Mojave. The only caveat, kind of like, like TDM working on Mavericks. <laughs> right, <laughs> they say it doesn't work, and it does. No, it does. It, no, it, they said it would. The problem with Pro Tools 10 on Mavericks is you cannot uninstall it. Or now yes, maybe that is the problem. That, that, that's the reason why they said Pro Tools 10 on Mavericks. Is, but who cares? Because it's the end of the line anyways. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but you can run Pro Tools 10 on, um, like, for instance, you can run it on 10.10 and possibly 10.11. And the only two things you lose is if you try to import, you have to drag and drop. Yeah. You can't import through the box. And then this is a fun one. If you have a really long plugins list, you can only see one plugin at a time, you see a big black list, and then if you scroll over it, you see what it is. Yeah, it's sort of like that oh, game really? where you didn't know if you were going to fall into a hole until you. Fall I heard of a, a workaround for that. You basically you, you resize your screen resolution and then resize it back, and apparently that problem goes away when you do that. Yeah. Oh, shit. oh, that was a quick but time thing. You still can't up. run it on TDM because I already tried to run TDM on ten dot ten, and it does not see the hardware. Period. So you can do native Pro Tools ten on those later operating systems. But you can't run the juicy hardware. I thought no. I, th- I I was reading about a hack to get Pro Tools 10 running on High Sierra, and I think I did it once. I pulled it off. But but you still can't run the TDM hardware. So. I, I I don't recall. I thought I did. I thought it worked fine on the P, uh, TDM hardware on High Sierra, but it, I know it's not supposed to. But I I don't remember. It was just a quick experiment. I think I had Cipriano running Pro Tools 10 on like a Mavericks, no, a Mojave, new Mac. But the only reason I could do it, because you can't install it. It just won't let you. Yeah. But I was able to copy it, the install from the other system to the to the new system using migration assistant, and that worked. Correct. Wow. That was yeah. a total oh, hack, wow. <laughs> <Huh>. <laughs> Backdoor. And, and that was that was core audio. <laughs> that was native. Yeah. Yes, of course. Native. Yeah. Yeah. Using the Apollo stuff. Hmm. I got it running once and it worked. And then I tried it again on a different drive and I could not get it to install at all. Um, and the, the same methods I used on one drive didn't work on the other. And I think the reason I've, for that is one system was was upgraded from a previous system and the, the system that it actually ran on was built from scratch. So there was some residual stuff in there that was messing it up. But there's no Windows PCs anywhere in there, right? No, I don't do Windows at all. Jeff, you're a professional. Of course you don't use Windows. <laughs> my wife uses it and it drives me nuts I have to solve the problems like god damn I hate PCs it's like, but I just don't know them you know I'm not going to disparage them people who know them or hate Mac so it's like you know it's like politics yeah, <laughs> yeah it is kind of <laughs> except except computer well actually so, computer so you could can just you, shut it all down with politics you could just shut it all down it'd be all fixed <laughs> yeah well it's I, I actually run both Mac laptop and uh, PC which one do you just sit, settle down and you're like, oh, I enjoy doing this? Uh, PC. PC. That, yeah. That's the main one Which one in the gives studio. you no problems? PC. How many times have we talked about your problems with your <laughs> yes. signal routing, <laughs> monitoring? How many phone calls have I answered about such <laughs> problems? <laughs> yeah. I don't trust PCs for audio at all, but... And I have a reason. I can tell you what it is if you want to hear it. But well, my reason, my reason I don't trust it is because there's like at least three sound drivers, <laughs> at least right out of the gate, and usually four. And once they install ASIO, ASIO for all, trying to fix the bad drivers, and then they discover, oh, there actually is a driver from the manufacturer. Then they install that one. Then they have five sound drivers. It's a train wreck and a half. And then you're doing like freaking 
playing musical chairs trying to figure out what's the right driver I can use if I want to run Zoom at the same time that I'm recording, or maybe I want to have Audacity recording a backup while I'm running Source Connect. And the drivers just collide into each other all the time. It's just huge pain in the neck. It's a shit show. It's a shit show. It's a shit show. That's my argument against it. Yeah, that's why I don't like it. (laughs) I had a Carol on PC. I was trying to use a PC and I'm recording and I I was recording off the digital input and not the analog. It should have only been digital. And deliberately, while I was recording, I played some audio through the analog board. And sure enough, it was in the recording. It wasn't supposed to be. So I don't know what I'm recording when when I was recording on this PC. It just did not trust the audio to be true to what I was instructing it to do. Right. And it was probably because of the drivers. Because if you're using the wrong set of drivers, you could be using the MME drivers, which Windows itself manages. And it can do whatever it wants to do behind the scenes, and you don't even really know what it's doing. Yeah. And so that's the nightmare of, of using Windows for audio. I mean, it's great if you're a hobbyist or if you're a real power user and you really like to get under the hood and you like to hack a system and tell everybody, look at how I can record and mix 512 virtual instruments and you know, those, those people exist, but when you really get to sit down and get work done, you get, you get, you're really going to be using a Mac these days still. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting though, because I think there is a, there is a PC and then there's a PC and I, the, well, you know, you, you know, Vin who built my PC. Um, yeah. I just think they're I, a different, uh, he's a different, a different beast. I mean, it's not a, off the shelf Hewlett Packard by far. The, the PC is the, is the, is the Porsche 924 with a blown V8 in it. <laughs> That'd right? be a 928. And the it? Mac is the is the 2020 Porsche 911, you know. It's like it's just do you want something absolutely brand new tuned and fast and proven or something hacked together that has potentially could possibly outperform a new car with the right conditions, then that's a PC. I I think I think mic. the difference is this. <laughs> the 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 PC is like it shows up it it races ahead for a few laps and then breaks down and then loses the whole race anyways. You know the interesting <laughs> yeah. thing is that uh, Vin will listens to our show religiously. Uh, at this point, he he's, hates me. He's, nice to meet you, Vin. He's loading the gun. He's loading. I can tell you now. <laughs> as long as it's like a Hewlett Packard or a Dell, I'm fine. <laughs> Wait, right, no, sorry, PC Jeff. user or a Mac user? <laughs> he's a he's, PC, bil- he's a builder. PC builder. Yeah, oh, one of the okay. few. He, he does a, a podcast called Doorbench. You should check it out. This like oh, he geek. does Doorbench. Wow. Yeah, it's yeah. geek out. Yeah, no, he knows the connection. Oh wow! All right. Oh, he the man. Yeah. yeah. See, yeah. see, that's the difference. It's like you can build a PC that's probably faster and a better computer than any Mac that Apple will sell you. Because by the time Apple gets it all together and packaged and sold. It's outdated, and then they're and stuck with it for the next two years. But until next, it's year. about the whole user experience and the That's and the reality be over is soon, like, dude. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, they're dumping yeah. Intel, it's right? iOS. Yeah, yeah. When they dump when they dump Intel and they go. they no their own native in house silicon. Their own chips. That's mm-hmm. a different deal, totally. And they're and they're going to make it all iOS. So this is also going down the. Poops shoot. Being, being completely, no, no, no. being completely brain dead when it comes to computers and knowing how to turn them on, and that's about it. What, what's the deal with that? Does that mean anything for the software that you're running in, with their changing chips? Well, it means that you're going to be running in an emulation for a while using something called Rosetta Two, 
mm-hmm. which Rosetta 2 is named after Rosetta 1. Remember the power PC the to PPC. Intel yeah. transition, which went pretty well. It wasn't terrible. Um, you know, so now they're going to go through the same thing. And the hardware, of course, is much, much faster. So unless you're running like extremely heavy duty software with like maybe a thousand tracks in a logic session, I don't think you're going to have too much trouble if you have a modern, pretty fast modern machine. And and of course you're going to have one because if you have a new one running silicon, it's going to be a beast. Mm. So, you know, the iPad Pro is faster than 90% of the available laptops Jeez. on the market. <laughs> no, I, the yeah. iPad Pro, just the iPad. Yeah. So it's, and so they're selling a and developer the, kit, which is a Mac by Mini. the operating system. Right. So they're selling a, you can get a, a developer Mac Mini with the guts inside is an iPad Pro. And so you're actually developing the the next generation of software on an iPad Pro, but inside a Mac Mini, so you can run it like a real computer. So mm. it's it's kind of mind boggling. I've been doing some research, but wait a minute, who are we talking? To? It's who else is here in the room? I can't remember. Oh, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. How you doing? Yeah. So Jeff, tell us about. So that wait, so that Mac Mini has <laughs> Apple's new chip in it, or is it still running the the Intel chip? So it's, they have a, it's developer a special Mac, Mac Mini they give for developers, yeah. so that it has it's the developer new chip Mac in Mini. it. Exactly. So it's the so new chip. You're saving the money on the screen and all the other stuff because all you're doing is making an app. And, and, and yeah. so they. It's, yeah. it's a new Mac Mini, but the guts are essentially an iPad Pro. And then it's you know set up to run uh, Big Sur, the new OS that runs on the new oh, Jesus. chips. Right. So, yeah. So people are already going to be developing for this new system like soon, but you'll still be able to run everything that's native that was Intel. For the foreseeable future. I mean, you know, for several years to come. And you'll still be able to go buy, a, you know, a $40,000 Mac Pro for the foreseeable future, too. So. You see, the, for, the foreseeable future thing is the problem for me. Because look at Jeff. I mean, Jeff's talking about running Pro Tools 10 and 11 and stuff. And if he's comfortable on that. Yeah. I run old stuff all the time. And, and it's like, don't upgrade unless you have to. And, I agree. And um, get your job don't done. Break. And, and it's so the last Mac I was yeah. Well, I, you know the thing and is, was I, it new at the time? Yeah, I, I always buy new. <laughs> I mean, okay. I'm, I'm running. I'm recording right now on a Mac Pro I bought in 2009, and it, I, I, this machine screams as far as I'm concerned. I don't know. You know. Yeah. Of course, it's, it's all hot rod. It's, it's plenty of RAM. Yeah. So, so, then, yeah. so that's your TDM rig, right? So my TDM rig. I mean, I upgraded the CPU, so it's a 12 core. Uh, it's, let me open about this Mac. You have it listed as a 5.1 instead of a 4.1. Yeah, I had Pro. to flash it to get it from 4.1 to 5.1. Uh, 3.46 gigahertz, uh, 12 cores. So did cores. you upgrade your graphics card to metal? Or well, you're not. Doing no, that. I upgraded the graphics card back in 2012, I think, a long, long time ago, and it worked with Mojave. Um, I know I can't install Catalina on this machine, so Mojave is the the ceiling unless I hack it, which I'm not interested in doing. However, I mean, I was just going to give you my philosophy. Like, digital audio workstations that we use to record our voices, I I view them as tape recorders. Yeah. Reel-to-reel tape recorders that don't have firmware and don't have a You know, it's like they they just run. You hit record and play, and it records and play. And it doesn't really matter if it's the latest operating system or not. It still performs the same function as long as you can record at the same bit rates and everything. As long as each time you turn it on, it does what you needed to do the last time you turn it on. It's reliable. Yeah, right? that's, like it's that's lock why it I down, still don't upgrade. Just keep that thing running. That's what you. That's what you want to do. Yeah. I and still have a that. running Pro Tools Mix Plus system running OS X ten point three. <laughs> do you have a museum in your studio right? is there like a little in the corner behind plexiglass I, I I've got reel to reel decks and yeah. all kinds of old shit <laughs> like a little yeah. plexied in room there I still have reel to reels 
Pro Tools Do you? Wow. I, I have mix a Pro plus, Tools mix Actually, Mix Plus, 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 Plus. It's in a chassis. So I have a Mix yeah. Plus rig, and it's in a computer that's in my... And I don't think I've booted it up in like 15 years. I don't even know if it would run. <laughs> I, I built like the <laughs> pinnacle of the Mix systems because the fastest G4 you could buy was a laptop running at, I think, 1.5 gigahertz. And then... Um, so it's that with a magma chassis that used to run to a PCI card, but then I got the little tiny card that goes into the laptop. So you can basically run that big ass chassis off of a laptop. And then it's, it's a kick-ass system for like live recording because it's TDM. It doesn't, it just doesn't crash, you know? Yeah. Compared yeah, to hard bus like versions. Card yeah. bus slot. Is that what they call it? Card bus? Or PCMCIA slots, or? yeah, yeah, yeah. It, uh-huh. It's definitely not PCMCIA. That's that's your Windows. That goes back to like Newbus and PCMCIA. Oh yeah, yeah. And then and then PCI yeah. card bus. I remember Newbus. Oh card, right, right. Card bus. This the slot on the side. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You're exactly. right. Is that what it's called? Yeah, Is I it think called it's called card bus thirty four or something yeah. like that. Or uh huh. It's basically external PCI Apple flavor. Correct. As far as I yeah. understand. And there's Which a skinny one and a wide one, and this is the wide one. Right, right. Um, so how yeah. about on the software side, Jeff? So we know your hardware. What is your GoTool tool set? You've got Pro Tools. What is like you sit down? You're gonna, Let's start with voiceover. What, do, what are you going to sit down and immediately hit record on and lay onto a voiceover track? Pro Tools, always Pro Tools. So just Pro, Pro Tools, Tools 10, right? and then... Well, I mean, my mic chain is, uh, is pretty... The, the brain of the studio and the the thing that I always love to tell people about and want everybody to know about like an evangelist is uh, Metric Halo. I use Metric Halo hardware. And the software that runs the hardware is just brilliant. It allows me to route anything to anything. So as I'm talking to you right now, like using my Metric Halo software, I'll give you all my processing right here. It's like here's a fully processed track or I can go back to uh, no processing. I, I, I have total control. I can route any signal to any signal I want. So that's kind of core in what I'm recording in Pro Tools because this is my front end to Pro Tools. Um, so the so, metric halo is like your preamp and then you're feeding it out of the metric halo. It's the front end. It's not the preamp. Um, I mean, I, specifically, I have a, a John Hardy M1 mic pre is I'm talk, what I'm talking nice. to right now. I go through a Cush tweaker compressor. Uh, and then it goes into a crane song head. That's where it goes digital. And then that's the clock of my system that feeds the LIO8, which routes has eight digital AIS EBU uh, inputs and outputs, uh, eight analog ins, eight analog outs, and then eight sends. So it can send audio everywhere. So that's kind of how I'm monitoring on one studio and, and, and you know monitoring something else in another. Um, so that that feeds Pro Tools, and I actually feed Pro Tools on several different channels, and I always record with multiple settings for my radio stations, and uh, the LIO8 configures into that. So you're sending um, multiple AES-IO, AES-EBU outputs yes. into Pro Tools and recording on multiple tracks? Yes. And the processing is coming from the Metric Halo? No. Except the, for the burn It's a combination. Some, some processing, like if I do the gating, the gate is going to happen inside the Metric Halo. Uh, I, I have a distorted a setting that that's done inside of the metric halo but the real heavy duty processing is takes place inside of pro tools using auxiliary buses that i record off of in real time so if i'm recording for a radio station i'll record enable five uh you know five record tracks i'll read the copy and then i'll hit stop and then i'll have five audio files ready to send out what are you running in there uh one is clean with virtually no processing at all uh the other one is my tv setting which you know has some uh you know meat going on to it you know it's, it's compressed it's eq'd it sounds really rich and full so it'll, you know it sounds like a tv promo uh setting uh and then for radio you you know tend, when we do radio promos we tend to filter the voices a lot 
so one is like just very filtered the other one is like kind of distorted and grimy and the other one's really distorted and grimy and uh and they're all i synchronize them all i I run them through delays to make sure that there's no latency between any of them so my client radio stations can take these all five tracks and play them all at the same time and there'll be no uh phase cancellation between them and uh that way they can get you know they just put layer basically put the music under one of my process tracks and boom they have a promo ready to go really quickly so, so when you so say they want one word, one word with the radio with like a telephone voice they just cut to that particular track of, of yours that you gave them and that's talking to the radio talking like that yeah i hear that like, one used the most actually how do you determine how you're going to process those i mean surely the processing for a easy listening station is going to be different than the processing that someone's going to want for a chr station so how how do you determine what you're going to send them i send them all i send each one they'll let them decide right okay yeah gotcha and And then the editor does it by editing not by mixing he's just like picking what track he wants Mm -hmm. for the sound well i mean he, he can download all five voice tracks and mix them together if he wants to um some some of my clients do that so don't um, don't take this the wrong way, but is this because you don't trust what they're going to do to it at the other end? Is that why you do it that way? Radio right now is in dire straits. There's a lot of layoffs. Um, so what we have is um, imaging people that are suddenly imaging many, many markets that are also the program director. They're also scheduling the music. They're showing up at promotions. They're doing an air shift. They don't have time and they don't know anything about production. They've just been mm. thrown into it. Mm. So a lot of radio stations where the person who's producing it, that's not his area of expertise, but the promo has to go on the air. Yep. So by pre-processing the voice track, he doesn't have to worry about that. Because okay. if you don't, if you're not an audio engineer, you don't know about EQ and compression. You don't know how to make the voice track <clears throat> pop. And the producer will hear it and think it sounds like shit. And yeah. he'll blame the voice guy, not the producer. So exactly. if I send them clean audio and they don't do anything to it, it doesn't sound good, I will lose the gig. Yeah. I'm proud to say there's a lot of radio stations I've been voicing now for over 20 years. There's a reason for that. <laughs> yeah, look, see, I think that, that, and to me, and that's probably the difference between US radio and Australian radio is, you know, we do have dedicated production guys and, you know, they're not doing an air shift and then going down to the production suite. They walk into the production suite at eight o'clock in the morning and they finish work at 10 o'clock at night and go home and that's all they do all day. So... Yeah. I guess that's probably where that question came from for me. But yeah, when you think about it in the, the sense of US and the way that you guys work over there, it probably makes sense. I always provide a clean track with, it's, it's very low levels. I mean, if you normalize it, it'll be like, it's like minus 10 dB. It's very, you know, it's very clean. Yeah. So if you really know what you're doing and you want to roll your own, it's there for you. Mm. Uh, you know, I don't mm. take that yeah. away. Gotcha. Yeah, it is, a, it is quite a different beast here, I think, um, oh, from the States. Definitely. Yeah, and yeah. it was actually like that. I remember going to the UK back in um, on the mid '80s when uh, Virgin Radio opened, and uh, the the poor guys in production—you should have seen what they were working with. It was terrible. Yeah. So, so, so going back to your setup, the Metric Halo is like basically a A to D and a and a distribution amp to your or over digital to your various recorders, which are a new Pro Tools system, an old Pro Tools system, and a other system. Yeah, uh, it's just a distribution is, is crazy. It's not really a distribution amplifier, but it's a signal router. No, I'm, yeah, it, it's, it's, a, it's an interface, <laughs> though, and you can control, control it with the software, and you've got a mixer. And I can actually control the software with a, a tactile MIDI controller, too. So I actually have a, a little iPad so I can, you know, because I'm using it to monitor different audio sources. Um, it's interesting with you because your background is both voice and production. So, you know, you got the advantage over someone like me, <laughs> miles well, ahead, because I couldn't produce my way out of a paper bag, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk well, also, how do you, how do you give them five different tracks when you're on the bike trail? 
How do you give him like? He two? only got one, and I had to email it to him. We're not recording on my mountain bike. That's just uh, that's very rudimentary. But yeah. um, although if I'm in my car, I use uh, uh, I have a um, a MacBook Pro. I will post five audio tracks even on the road. Or if so I'm traveling. So you keep like a MacBook in the trunk with the whole setup? Like, Well, no, if I travel, <laughs> I just bring it with me. But, you know, I, I use my tri-booth. I bought a tri-booth and I worked out of there full time for a week in Florida. And it was just the MacBook Pro there. A whole rig. I mean, you had you had a hell of a setup in that booth. I, I mean, basically you, you, recreated my whisper You recreated your setup at home in, in yeah. the tri-booth. That was pretty amazing. Yeah. With, yeah. with, uh, with monitors in both inside the tri-booth and outside and, uh, and MIDI controller and everything. I'm, wow. I'm so surprised to hear someone like at your level of like, I'm processing everything and you're not using a UA interface. I hate <laughs> it. I have a UA interface. I, I don't like it. Is it the locked downness of it that you kind of have to like readopt your whole workflow because of the way the plugins work or you don't like it sonically? Which, what's the thing you don't, don't like about it? I don't trust it. I, it's uh, the same it, story yeah. as my PC. I, um, sure, sure. And, and I invite you to try this. And I know, George, you're a genius with the, and you, you have a way. But like, for instance, if you have a UA, like I still haven't figured out how to feed audio to a Skype or a Source Connect session while recording clean into Pro Tools while monitoring all at the same time. And li- you'd be able to listen to them. It's like, it's very convoluted to route signal audio. And if you'll recall, we, we did a podcast once with Adam Snyder and he, his UA audio, he couldn't get it to feed the audio out to, uh, to Source Connect now. Um, but specifically what it is, is like I, like I said, I, I, process, I have a lot of processing settings that I, that I like to record all at once. And I do some yeah. of the processing inside the box that's feeding Pro Tools and then in, in the, sometimes inside the Pro Tools session itself. So with the UAD, if you record off of the, you know, the microphone, the, the main mic track, and then you use a send and send a submix to another track and you try to record off that, that's what I did. So I'm recording and so I'm processing it here and then not processing it here. And what I tried doing was bypassing one of the plugins while I was recording and what I was getting off the send should have been bypassed, but I could still hear audio, like processing going on. It was a situation where the, what it was supposed to be sending to this auxiliary that I was recording off of was not what I was actually telling it to send. So I, again, I did not know what I was recording. So right away, I'm like, I don't trust this UAD thing because I don't know what uh, where it's sending what audio to what. Yeah, also, yeah, here's a question. What's, what's your favorite system? My favorite recording system? Yeah, like like of all these systems that you're running, like which one is like like in your bag which one at is all it? times? Yeah. What would be the one? You know, if it if it didn't matter what size it was or what it was made yeah, if it, out of, if, what's if they your all favorite? if they all fit into like the size of a pill and you could have any system at any time. Well, I would take my Cape Cod uh, preamp and compressor there because that I have that room sounding so sweet. Um, but this Mac Pro that I'm running off of is what I'd want with my Metric Halo LAO eight, uh, and then the uh, the eight eight eight. Uh, digi interface. So, so you pick the same thing I pick, which is the old classic TDM system. Yeah. Hell yeah! I it is the it's like the closest thing to like a hardware mixer with a tape deck attached to it. It's like the whole studio done best. It's the yeah. whole box. I think of all the different in the box solutions. Well, that is still the one to beat. The Metric Halo has very solid processing inside of it, too, very much like the UAD. I mean, I get why people like the UADs. The plugins do sound amazingly sweet. Um, and that, that was my go-to travel rig for a while because it was like having a rack of gear, you know, like a, a rack of analog outboard gear because the, the, um, you know, the LA-4A and, or the LA-2 that they have, it just sounded so good. I know Corley used to use the Fairchild compressor. Um, I've always wanted to get that, but that's like a $300 plug, and I have never sprung for it. Metric Halo also has their own plug-in format, or is it... <laughs> They they have their own plugins. They don't. I mean, that's what I like about the UAD is they they outsource to third parties. 
Um, however, Metric Halo's channel strip plugin has been my main go-to for processing voices since the 90s. It's so good, and it's very versatile, very powerful. Um, yeah, I, I've used channel strip quite a bit, actually, when, on the, the TDM plugin. Yeah. If they would it's, just it's make got a good like interface. A, you just grab the little little n- nodes, and you can just move stuff around, so you don't even need to use the, uh, the dials. Yeah, and it gives you a graphic rep- representation, so you know what's going on at all times. So they just don't want to play the race to the bottom thing where they make the four channel one then they make the two channel one then they make the one channel one like the, i wish they would make like you know their version of the apollo twin or the apollo arrow you know just like a some small I, I portable think, i think metric halo is a little bit more high-end like like if it's good and you know it's good you'll buy it whereas ua is like hyping the shit out of everything yeah I think you buy UA gear for the uh, the software, not so much the hardware. I don't know that their AD converters or their mic pre's are the best in the industry. Well, then there's the Antelope stuff. And, you know, they have a portable rig that's nice too. But their track record for reliability isn't up there, isn't as good as the Metric Halo either. So, you know, it's like you're always like finding a compromise between Sonics, long-term reliability, cost, yeah. and portability. And, and, there's, and there's Apogee's got in be this a, game too. Yeah. Apogee's making their own plugins and yeah, the Venn diagram of all that. I don't know what that is. I don't know what the perfect thing is, but it might just be a Micport Pro Two running in the Pro Tools <laughs> with your plugin chain, like you do, Jeff. Pro Tools like, Ten TDM. I just did an hour ago. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. it's, it's Pro Tools Ten TDM from two thousand nine. <laughs> right, yeah. that's the setup. but in a box that you can put in your yeah. pocket. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> so, one question for you, Jeff: What microphone do you use? Four sixteen. 416. 41.6. must educate yep. you on this. <laughs> so, so, so do a retake. Okay, you ready? Ask the question again. <laughs> so what microphone do you use? Uh, it's a 4 fucking 16. I'm not going to call it a 416. <laughs> Where does that come from? <laughs> so the 416 is the hybrid because here in Australia, yeah. <laughs> here in Australia, uh, we call it a 416. And no, no, we call, call it a 416. No, you call it a 416. I always get this around the wrong yeah. way. Because I'm used to with 416. You guys call now. it a... We call it the 416. Yeah, 416. What area code is that? (laughs) It's actually the down under area code. (laughs) It's actually the Z416. The vintage vintage area code is 415. uh, So do we all call it a TOM103 then? Or do you guys call it a 103 or a 103? It's a 103. It's a 103. Okay. It's a 414. So then where does the 41... the 416, 416. come from then? Uh, the, knows, well, the long name is like the M- MKHPEK yeah, yeah, yeah. something. It's, it's got a P48. really long name. Yeah, no, but I'm it's just saying, if you, don't say, if, you, if you say 103, then why not 416? Ah. <laughs> you what, can't what take do you 103 call? and make it one number. <laughs> yeah, like, you can say 10 3. You can say 10 10-3? In uh, Cape Canaveral, Florida, the area code is 321. That's deliberate. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> that is true. That is funny. Warren uh, up the Space Coast. Yep. Yeah. And speaking of one, my one-year-old just walked through the door. <laughs> if you look at the way most Americans name microphones, it's always two digits at the end. Did you say 414? Yeah, 414. And we say the 414. 414. <laughs> yeah. We're going to call it the 414 from now on. Yeah, yeah, Yo, how do you say controversy? Like, like, like you controversy. Guys say controversy, right? <laughs> yeah. You say mobile. We say mobile. I guess yeah. microphone names like fall in that category or too. Capsule and capsule. Uh, I, capsule I, think, aluminum. I think the big one here is the thong. See? Th- we the wear what? thongs on our feet. You guys wear them on your ass. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do both. <laughs> uh, we're heading down a plug Man. hole. Oh, it's a deep hole we're heading down at the moment. Absolutely. I can see an S-Bend approaching over the horizon. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking microphones, next week we're going to be talking about the new Austrian audio microphone, the OC818. Oh, it's the 818. Yeah. <laughs> you did a review on that Rode microphone that sounded better than the 416. I want to, or 416, whatever you want to call NTG5? it. The NTG5? Yeah. No, it's, yeah. It, yeah, it's, it's killer. It's really? mighty, mighty good. George, you've heard that. You like that one too, right? The NTG5? Yeah, I, it's one of my recommended go-to, like, just, yeah. I'm people thinking are like, what mic do I buy? Go buy that one. That's where I start. See, I almost bought a uh, an Avid S1 controller today. And, uh, so I got to, like, you know, you have all this, you know, your allocation of financial resources here. Do I want to buy that mic? You know, I was like, is that a new that? console or a re- retro? No, it's, it's the one that you stick an iPad into. It looks really slick. Yeah, it looks and really good. And the whole good. reason why I want to buy that too is because it's got scribble strips and it names the channels for you. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, really? Well, that's nice. Yeah, like like, like you look at every other Huey controller and there's just a fader and you're like, what is it? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I've got right now an artist mix and an artist control in my control room where I actually, you know, with my three monitors, it's like my spaceship where I actually do production. And here in the booth, I have a Korg Nano control and you can control the same channel with two different controllers when you use uh, Yukon. So yes. the, the, the artist mix will control channel one and I can also fade that up and down here in the booth with my Korg. Right, and the Korg is Huey? Yeah, I think it's a Huey protocol. Yeah. What about doing just a touchscreen? I run a D-Touch in in the uh, studio, which is sort of like, um, like, you know how Slate has the Raven? Yeah. Um, So what D-Touch is, is it's sort of the the software part of the Raven, but then you can just go get your own. So you run it on an iPad? Touchscreen. No, (laughs) I run on Acer. I have three three Acer touchscreens, and then they're all... So it's like basically middle section is the editor, left section is the mixer, right section is all the plugins and the meters. I use V V control on um Yeah, yeah, V control is great. So so think of D touch as V control, but like on the actual screen instead of needing it, needing an iPad. And that's one less thing in your booth. If you had a touch right. screen in your booth. Honestly, I'd say it, but the Korg Nano control takes up less room than an iPad does. And I mean it's tiny, it's it's microscopic. Yeah. Um I, I mean I bring but it the problem is like like the faders are so short that it's like on or off. Yeah, I mean, I'm not actually doing mixing so much. It's more for monitoring, uh, and it's more for starting and stopping. So, you know, while I'm re- reading, I don't have to. I can look at a script that's on my screen and still start and stop Pro Tools, um, without having to go into the digital audio workstation. I can just keep looking at the the, the script. I'm using a uh, iPad with a Luna Display adapter right now, actually, with my MacBook, and nothing to do I, with you know, Luna, right? No, totally unrelated. <laughs> Bad naming because it's the same as another product that just came out. But the Lunar Display is like a little no, little nugget that plugs into the video output on your Mac. So whatever it is, you know, Mac, Mac Mini Display, and they also have a USB-C version. And it basically creates a video driver that your iPad can see. And so ah. that thing is handling, your your computer itself is doing the video heavy lifting, the iPad is literally just a display. And um, it works on Wi-Fi or USB. So right now I have my iPad using USB for has because it has the lowest latency, right? Lower than Wi-Fi. Yeah. And uh, so it, it, it almost feels like just a second display hooked to my Mac. And does, uh, but does it has it, the does added the benefit. Work? Yeah, Can it has the added touch? benefit of yeah. being turning your Mac into a touchscreen Mac. So... You know, if I do a mirror, I'm using it as an extended display right now. So I have like my web browser on my iPad, you know, but, um, you know, I can use that in a booth 
and make that a mirror display. And now that it's iPad is the display, and you can touch and start, you know, start and stop recording and pull on faders and and everything. It's, so you essentially touch, have a touchscreen right? Mac. Uh, no, it's multi-touch. You can the do Mac multi-touch. Is multi-touch. Yeah, I can do two fingers on my iPad screen and do pinch zoom on, say, my web browser and make the you know make it bigger and smaller, for example. Really? So but you can't grab two faders and Pro Tools at the same time. Well, you know, I haven't tried that yet, but it is multi-touch, so that's a good question. I, would I have can to, with I my coordinator control. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. You can because, and, and that's how that's how Slate does it, and 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 Dtouch does it, is because they're really laying a Huey layer over the the application. They, you know, the, yeah. the Korg is a Huey, but the mouse input to Pro Tools is single touch. It only knows of a mouse. Yeah. That's why right. I like to have MIDI controllers. So yeah, you can hardware grab five faders at once. Yeah, hardware. But, yeah. And that's what there's I don't like about like the it. slate is you can't mix with your eyes closed. It's like the surface is, you know, there's no tactile response to your mixing. I agree. There, there's, like there's, there's several things about the, <laughs> the, the, the touch screen also because it's on a monitor and kind of at an angle. There's no real good resting way to do it in the same way. You can't like lay your hand on a fader bay and move some faders. Your hands are always sort of suspended in, in air. Unless they turn it to a tabletop, just make it your, your desk. Yeah, right, like like, <laughs> like like look up the glass console that someone did uh, around. Mike, get a Spice Invaders machine. Get an old Spice Invaders machine and insert. The- <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, so, I put mean, the speakers. There's... Put the speakers inside the wooden box parts. Yeah, yeah, that'd be very cool. So, go. George, <laughs> the the Luna device. I, I have something similar. So I, I was using my um, MacBook Pro to turn my iPad into a monitor. I wish the iPad simply had an HDMI input, but, um, but the problem I had was it used so much CPU on my 2014 MacBook Pro that I couldn't do Pro Tools. I got CPU errors, and it simply wouldn't record. So I had um. to decide one or the other. So that's why I got the like I don't know somewhere I posted about my I bought a little small HDMI monitor. Um, that I bring one on the road uh, because it's no problem for pro, uh, for the MacBook Pro to drive an HDMI output. Sure, sure. But yeah. to do the iPad thing is like that's all I'd be able to do with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm curious. I mean, I, yeah, I don't, I haven't tested it in a, in a heavy load environment. I'm running a 2014 MacBook Air, recording in Twisted Wave, running Brave web browser with 20 tabs open. And you know, Source Connect Now, which is a beast. On you know, your machine Source Connect Now because of the that fans Kodak, go on. The fan goes crazy and. But it's wow. still hanging there, no problem. It's running. Yeah. But um, I will say, like, I use this thing a lot. I recommend it a lot because there's so many voice actors now getting, like, a booth set up, like a Whisper Room or a Tri-Booth. They stick their MacBook in there, and the second they open Source Connect Now or some of the other Chrome-based things, the fan comes on, and we can't record with that laptop under the mic anymore. Yeah. You know, so that's the next thing we try is put the Mac outside, put the iPad on the, on the copy holder, and remote that thing. And uh, yeah. And, and how much not, is that software? Well, it's it's a $50 little, it's hard to describe. It's, it's like the size adapter. of a, it looks like a lady's red painted fingernail sticking out of the side <laughs> of your computer. I mean, it's a little tiny thing, that module, it sticks out. It's and, hardware uh, that sticks out, you mean? It's hardware. Yeah, it's a hardware oh, wow. module. It plugs into my mini display port. Um, and you don't have to use USB for the display. You can use Wi-Fi, but it's lower latency with USB and then your iPad's always being charged. So that helps. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it works. I've been using it all day. I've been sitting at my computer doing client calls. How, how, how new of an iPad do you know, need? About seven hours. Uh, it has to be an iPad Air 1, which those things are about five, five years old yeah, that's, now. Yeah, those are old. Yeah. In fact, I bought one just to do it, just to try it all out. And then I found myself using my iPad so much 
and I realized I wanted a faster iPad. So then I bought the newest iPad, just the regular Gen 7 iPad, and it's fantastic. I mean, it's 280 bucks. Those are good for the It money. runs everything I need to yeah, do. Those are pretty it's good. It's an amazing little money. computer yeah. for what it is. 280 yeah. bucks. I thought there were more than no, that. No, the newest just iPad, a and basic like 32 Gen gigs 7. of RAM, and they're 300 bucks, basically. If you go and buy iPad, it starts around 279 299 and that's you what can, I'm uh, using. You can get Aurea and do like really high level uh, audio production on an iPad that's if you true. want to. Yeah, you really can. It's it's a pretty small screen. I mean, if the iPad Pro is the beast, like you get an iPad Pro 12.9, that is, that's incredible. I mean, that really, essentially, other than running the horrible iOS, it's still a monster of a machine. You know? Kind of so like that thing that that's just where, That's by. the future. Yeah, geez. Well, that, I was wondering if that was yeah. my house or yours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, no, the, the, just oh, sorry, that was fun. It's I was loving that geek out session. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think uh, we know all about Jeff now. Not. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so so I, know. I have no secrets. No, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, on that bum note, we should uh, duck out of this one and uh, parachute uh-huh. in for next week. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this show was mixed by Voodoo Sound, edited by Andrew Peters, using Source Connect Now and Rode Microphones. With technical support from George the Tech Whittem. Don't forget to subscribe and like us. You're